Yes, that's right. It's me, Adrian Lawrence, once again. It is great to see you and welcome into Indisputable. We have a lot of news for you today and some updates. And you're gonna also hear from my fellow Rebel HQ contributor, Yasmin Alia Khan. She also happens to host the Global Thread podcast. So let's go ahead and get this started with another unfortunate story about a mass shooting. This one comes out of Oklahoma. Four are dead as a result of an active shooter situation at St. Francis Hospital campus there in Tulsa, and that occurred yesterday. And the shooter is also dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Again, at least four people are dead and multiple people are injured following a shooting at the Natalie Building at St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Wednesday evening, that's according to police. And the victims involved, they were healthcare providers. They were two physicians, also a receptionist and another patient were harmed here. And the wounded, it's believed to be as many as 10 people. Now the 911 call that came shortly before 5 p.m. really showed that they were reporting that there was a man with a rifle walking toward the Natalie building, a physician's office building on the hospital campus. And as you see in the photo here. Now when the police responded to the call, they said it turned into an active shooter situation. And that's according to Tulsa Police Captain Richard Mullenberg. And here's a picture of the police captain there in Tulsa. Now he told CNN that officials aren't releasing the shooter's name yet or any info pertaining to him due to the ongoing investigation at the scene as well as investigations underway at other locations. And in another statement, he stated that when police found the shooter's dead body beside the rifle, that there was a pistol also on his person. However, the Tulsa Police Deputy Chief Eric Denglish was able to share a few details during a briefing. Here's a photo of him. And what he did is he stated that the shooters believed to be a man between the ages of 35 and 40. And as for weapons, it did appear that both weapons were fired. Now the photo of police and other responders entering the building, that is this here. It seems that they were definitely on the scene, although what kind of transpired post call, we don't necessarily have all the details. And after the Rob Elementary School shooting, we do not want to jump to any conclusions. But what we have been told so far is that when police entered, that they went straight to the second floor where the shooting was taking place and found multiple people shot near an orthopedic clinic. Now the police say that the gunman targeted a doctor who had performed back surgery essentially blaming the doctor for his own pain. Police are also investigating a possible bomb threat that may be in connection with the shooter. This per ABC News. Authorities evacuated a home in Muskegee, Oklahoma, about 50 miles southeast of Tulsa after receiving a tip that the suspect may have left a bomb at this residence. Muskegee Chief of Police Johnny Teehee said Wednesday night, a bomb squad was on the scene and police were working to obtain a warrant to search the residence. Now gun violence this year has been out of control, but before we really dive into that, I would like to know Yasmin, with this shooting really underway as we continue to have mass shooting after mass shooting after mass shooting, what do you think makes this one a little bit different? What makes this one different? I mean, we're Whenever we have these mass shootings and they happen so much quicker than we can even respond to it, right? You always kind of hear the same canned responses because there's always so much that anyone can say before actually doing anything, right? So in the case of Rob Elementary, they have all these different excuses for why something happened. 
And in that case, the police didn't even enter the building until what, like an hour after there was a shooting already taking place. And so many additional children probably, it was said that they were bleeding out when they could have potentially been saved, right? Whenever first responders were not there. But that's the problem, right? The more that we keep dancing around the issue and avoiding what actually needs to be done, we just keep seeing these shootings happening. And people are getting so, so, so tired, especially in a healthcare facility. These people yeah. are tired. They've already been dealing with a pandemic and they were not treated well during the pandemic. Now they have to deal with mass shooters. and. We can make it about the cops and we can talk about what they could have done or should have done. But cops are first responders. They're not there to prevent the crime. They're there to respond to it once it actually happens. Nothing will change until we get some legislation through that is preventing these things from happening in the first place. Yes. And now, I mean, like this last weekend, ever since the Uvalde school shooting, there have been roughly 20 mass shootings in the United States since then, which was what, like a week ago. It's too much and people can only deal with it so much before yes. something needs to happen. Absolutely, and I and my heart goes out to um, these healthcare providers because that's exactly what they are. They are providing healthcare. They're trying to take care of people in a society that is uh, pushing policies that are incongruent with taking care of people. And so, you know, as much as we hear that this man, the shooter, was upset about the pain that he was feeling as a result of um, the surgeon or the doctor's practice. The reality is our society isn't set up for people's pain to be addressed. It's not set up and it's not advancing, curing or helping people. And the thing is these doctors do the best they can. And it's just incredibly, incredibly disheartening and sad to know that they are under attack now. Because what we're definitely seeing across the board is gunfire going up everywhere and now to see it in a hospital. But this per CNN about the gun violence rates this year. There have been so far at least 233 mass shootings in 2022, according to the nonprofit organization Gun Violence Archive. That includes yesterday's shooting in Tulsa. June 1 was the 152nd day of the year. And this means that there have been more mass shootings this year than that there have been days in 2022. And we're not hearing anything encouraging from leaders in terms of making the changes that are necessary to prevent these mass shootings. Like the Oklahoma Republican Governor Kevin Stitt, well, he issued a flowery statement. Yesterday, he said, what happened today in Tulsa is a senseless act of violence and hatred. Sarah and I are praying for their families of those who lost their lives and for those who were injured. Yeah, thoughts and prayers isn't enough. We actually need action. But of course, the governor went on to say how grateful he was for Tulsa PD, additionally stating that he offered state resources to the mayor. And then he closes with a kumbaya, let's come together for the community. And this is absolute and utter nonsense when actual action could do something. Meanwhile, you know, we're just a day after the Uvalde shooting in Oklahoma. And that continues, we're just a week out about that. But also the leaders, they're not necessarily seeking to figure out how to further expand these gun regulations and restrictions. Rather, they are busy trying to expand Oklahomans access to firearms. Currently right now on Stitt's desk waiting to be signed is a house bill. It's Oklahoma House Bill 3144, which it would prohibit the state from contracting with financial institutions that refuse to deal with firearms dealers and industries. Yeah, for real. And this measure, it was first proposed during a legislative study examining ways to attract a firearms manufacturer to the state. So clearly there seems to be some disconnect between these thoughts and prayers and actual action because 
apparently people in positions of power want more firearms in their state, even though it is costing the lives of their leaders. Yasmin. It really makes you wonder, the people who are still supporting people like the governor of Oklahoma and even the governor of Texas, they keep saying one thing, but then they're doing something else. And it's obviously hypocritical, but then I mean, I say obviously, but then I have to wonder, is it obvious? Because so many people are still supporting these these politicians, thinking that this is gonna make their lives better somehow, right? And the issue with gun control specifically is an interesting one because both sides of the argument, they just wanna feel safer, right? One side wants to feel safer by arming themselves and protecting themselves and taking that autonomy onto themselves. And the other side says, no, just get rid of all the weapons and then we can't get hurt by them, right? So there's two different approaches to the issue. And especially here in Texas, I feel like we have a kind of a unique perspective on both sides of that argument. And that said, I'm not trying to say that this is really a comparable argument as far as you know what is right and what is wrong. The thing is, right now we have a problem that is unique in the United States, right? No other country has this issue the way that we do here. Other countries, they have issues of mental health crises, they have issues with um, you know, just crime rampantly in, in their countries, but they don't see things like mass shootings, especially not in schools and especially not in hospitals. So the longer that we keep dancing around this issue and keep pretending like it's one thing or another, when we know what the actual issue is, the longer these things are just going to keep happening. And I'd be interested to see how long people keep supporting politicians like the governors of Oklahoma and Texas, the longer that they keep avoiding the problem. Yeah, well, I definitely think they're gonna continue supporting them as long as people are kept stupid, because that's the goal. It makes it easier to control people. And one of the people who could not be controlled was the man Peyton Grendon. That's a white man who killed 10 black people up in Buffalo in that racist attack a few weeks ago. Well, he has been indicted by a grand jury yesterday, the 18 year old. He was indicted on state domestic terrorism and hate crime charges. Here's this photo. It's gonna carry a mandatory life sentence in prison. And his arraignment on these new 25 count indictment, well, it's gonna hastily prepare for a murder charge, but the thing is up in New York, they do not have the death penalty, so that is not on the table at all. But what we do want to bear in mind when it comes to charging individuals and definitely seeing that they spend their time in prison is something that we know will happen for individuals like this gentleman who decided to engage in this racist attack. But the thing is there are going to be more people out there. And so we're not just putting away a bad apple or just getting you know, the problem off the streets. No, not at all. The problem is guns. The problem is also the way we educate and form people in our society. But by and large, until we can educate people and they can actually be responsible citizens, we need to remove this heavily militarized state and these firearms. By the way, he has pleaded not guilty. Gendron actually pled not guilty. That's right, this is what we know per the AP. The horrific nature of the crime and number of victims was already was likely to already guarantee a life sentence if Gendron is convicted. Again, New York has no death penalty, but adding a state terrorism charge could carry additional emotional 
Renaissance and help authorities send a message about violent extremism. It also is going to put the families and the community through a lot, having to go through a trial when we know the man is guilty. It's disgusting, it'll allow him a pulpit to really reinforce his rhetoric. And the thing is, is that there are a lot of people out there who are following the same rhetoric in terms of replacement theory and all of the disgusting things that Grenton said. And there is a growing pattern here and we've seen it and the New York Times has documented it and this is what it reports. So six of the nine deadliest mass shootings in the United States since 2018 were by people who were 21 or younger, representing a shift for mass casualty shootings, which before 2000 were most often initiated by men in their mid 20s, 30s and 40s. Only two of the 30 deadliest mass shootings recorded from 1949 to 2017 involved gunmen younger than 21. The first was a massacre of 13 people by two teenagers in Columbine in 99. The second came when a 20 year old killed 27 people, most of them children at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. Connecticut. Yes, there is a pattern and it is problematic. And the thing that was left out or at least wasn't acknowledged in the study, it tends to be white men, white young people and that are male. And this is a problem, yes. Yeah, it really is. And what's interesting about that is you and I are neither white men. But I think that that specific demographic doesn't realize how so many other people, minorities, women, whoever view that group of people, right? And we see white men in this country, and I'm not trying to demonize all of them, but they are a threat. White nationalist terrorism is a threat in this country. And as much as the GOP tries to downplay that, we know what it is, right? We can all see it, we see the patterns, we understand where it comes from. And it's interesting because you said something that they're trying to keep people stupid. They literally are. We keep hearing calls from the GOP to basically defund public education even more than it already is defunded. They're discrediting universities and the education that people are getting in those universities. And they're encouraging homeschooling, which is a way that parents can literally indoctrinate their own children with religion or whatever right wing political ideas that they want to indoctrinate their children with while they're railing against indoctrination in public schools. So the hypocrisy is there, the irony is there. But I've always said that racism is born from ignorance, right? I can't imagine somebody who is well educated and who understands different cultures and people and the world and how it works and still come out as a racist. I think racism comes from the fear of the unknown and from living in a bubble and not experiencing the world or the people in it. No, I totally disagree with you, Yasmin, absolutely. Racism is not a matter of ignorance, especially when we continue to push this narrative of the thought that we just need to educate and inform people. There are plenty of educated people who engage in racism. You see these individuals out here like Ben Shapiro, Ted Cruz, we're talking Ivy Leaguers. We're talking people with law degrees as well. No, we have to move away from the thought that this is about education. When no, this is about hate, this is about superiority and supremacy. This is something that spans classes, it spans education levels, because what they're doing is they're saying, I must be better than you. And you have to be lesser than me, regardless of what research shows, regardless of what stats, studies. It doesn't matter if people have an MD, we see that all the time, which is why we have racism in healthcare. You can be the most educated and knowledgeable person and also be racist as hell. 
And so we definitely have to recognize that this isn't a matter of the ignorant, you know, podunk, uncouth people from the South. This is everywhere. It's a matter of oppression and continuing to maintain these uh, these positions of power. And mm-hmm. something that is also uh, about power uh, is the gun control issue because it all is rooted in white supremacy when it comes to these mass shootings. And we're seeing that right now play out in Ohio with an ignorant decision that's been made with school districts. They could end up arming employees as soon as this fall, following legislation that's been approved by GOP lawmakers and set to be signed by the GOP governor there, Mike DeWine. So as the AP has reported, Democrats said the proposal, which is optional for schools, sends a wrong message a week after a massacre of 19 children and two teachers at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Republicans are saying that the measure could prevent such shootings. Lawmakers fast track the legislation to counter the impact of a court ruling that said under current law, armed school workers would need hundreds of hours of training. Yes, they'd need all the training and the resources that they don't necessarily have when it comes to actually being positioned to educate students. They are being underpaid. We just saw that they were mistreated significantly for for simply teaching about history. And now you want to force them to have training on firearms and you're gonna provide them with resources, but not to be able to teach and instruct, but to be able to shoot guns, to militarize, are you out of your mind? Plus, we've seen so many instances of violence be executed in classrooms simply by virtue of how marginalized students are treated. So how's that gonna work when you see a young black man, a young black student, a child make a comment and the teacher doesn't like it, yet the teacher is armed and has had a rough day. No, we don't wanna introduce these weapons of violence into what should be an educational environment, learning environment. It's just not gonna work. Yasmin, your closing thoughts. Yeah, it is interesting too, because whenever you have public education systems, the barrier to entry to become a teacher is so low and they're really not encouraging people to become teachers because they're not paying them and they're not giving them the infrastructure that they need to do that. So you don't really, we outsource so much of our childcare to these teachers, to nannies, to to daycares and things like that. We already are entrusting our children's lives in these public people, right? And now we're gonna arm them and we don't really know those people that well, right? It's a very scary prospect. I have my mother friends who are crying. They've been crying since the Uvalde shooting. One of them said that she goes up into a closet and she cries or her kids won't see her. It's terrifying and more guns as we've seen is not the solution to gun violence in this country. It's not gonna work and it's like what you were saying, these teachers need to focus on education. They need to focus on teaching these children and they're not gonna be able to do so if they're also expected to be you know, gun trained protectors of you know, an entire classroom of children. Yep, and also too, we've already had security guards at the front door. They had one in Uvalde, Texas, it did not work. So why add more guns to the situation other than if you wanna distract from the fact that you are not passing legislation to get rid of the guns, which you should be doing. But what we should be doing now is taking a break. So we will do that and as Dr. Ritchie says, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable, it is Adrian Lawrence filling in again for 
Dr. Richie. And if you've been listening to our podcast, but you've been listening via Facebook, well, you're gonna have to shift over to something different, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Why? Because recently Facebook announced that it's gonna deactivate their podcast feature. And we do not want you to miss out on any episodes of Indisputable. So check us out wherever you stream your podcast, hit that follow button and make sure you check for notifications so that you will not miss a moment. And I definitely don't wanna miss a moment of anything you all have to say, so let's check in with your viewer comments. Here we go. As far as the Tulsa hospital shooting, Becky Doglover says they'll want to arm healthcare workers next. Absolutely. Scalpel in one hand and a Glock in the next. Exactly. I am socks says thoughts and prayers is an insult at this point. Hell yeah, it is without question. Soft batch. Who's gonna go broke if we abolish guns? Who are they connected to? That's right. Yep. There's gonna be less money in the coffer of lawmakers and gun manufacturers aren't gonna be as wealthy, exorbitantly wealthy. But I'm sure there are wars America will start, which will give them an opportunity to create all the guns they want. For the update on the Buffalo shooter indicted on terrorism, Mr. YF says the FBI identifies white supremacist groups as a domestic problem, but no action will ever be taken. Yeah, they gotta do something. And it just seems like all they do is talk, it's not good enough. Candace Osei Bonsu, thanks for the 499, says when I was in school for psychology, excuse me, my professor and her colleagues were petitioning for racism to be considered a mental illness, would you agree? Uh, no, because racism is a choice. That's the only, that's why I would say is the differentiating factor. You know, you choose to be that way as opposed to whether it be a chemical imbalance or something wrong. I do think that there are aspects of a racist person that might be considered a mental illness, whether it is the anxiety aspect or just the, just the lack of having any kind of rational frame of mind. Sure, I think that could be diagnosed, but racism, no. No, not giving them that pass, it ain't happen. As far as the Ohio governor to sign a bill that arms school employees, Mickey C, the silver haired dragon says we should spend millions to train teachers while we've already spent millions to train the police. That's right, we continue to put our resources into militarizing people in various aspects of our society, as opposed to educating and informing them so that they'll be able to smell the nonsense crap that is being spewed by lawmakers and be able to decipher it from actual fact. But unfortunately, we don't do that. Lisa Fernandez says militarizing schools makes them even more of a target. Absolutely. And Felonius says, not to mention when I was in high school, kids would mess around and prank the teachers. Imagine if they were like, watch me grab the teacher's gun when they aren't looking. Exactly, without question. It's, it's just a recipe for disaster and I do not understand why our lawmakers don't understand that, but we know. They just don't want to, you know, take any money away from the NRA and gun manufacturers. It's just ignorance on ignorance. And what also is ignorant, without question, is the Karen. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Gonna check if you had a permit. That's great. And then if there is a permit, um, we're going to find out. And I don't even need to know your names. Beautiful day. We appreciate. I think I will. I think I will. But you're also trespassing on his property now, right where he's standing. 
Sorry, right so where we're calling everything. Where's that fat guy in the in the hoodie? There's a gate. No, but it goes. No, no, no. But it goes. Right, we, we appreciate your concern. We'll, we'll he's right there. The owner's right there. Thank you so much for your concern. Owner's right there. Walking right there. Where's the owner? Where's the owner? Have a great day. No, 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 no. I'm going to have a great day, but you know what? There are rules to be abided by. My husband That's works wonderful. for the fire department, and when That's I get back... That's great. If we have a fire, we'll give you a call. Oh my goodness, too often do we see individuals feeling that they can regulate anybody that they have the nerve and the audacity and the right and the entitlement to be up in others business. They were filming a music video for that woman to try to claim they're trespassing, also see if they have the right permits. Go about your day, boo, find something to do. She clearly needs something to do because she's just caring at the moment and nobody got time for it, Yasmin. Yeah, I was gonna say exactly that. This just looks like a bored Karen at home who saw something that looked interesting and she's like, I need to be a part of this. Regardless of the fact that she has nothing to do with it. She's not the firefighter either, her husband is. But you know, I guess she just needs something to do today. Yes, and Go break up a music video shoot. It's, it's so incredibly annoying in part two because we often see this behavior a lot from white people. Cuz it's a sense of entitlement of the thought that I get to regulate everything. That I've gotta make sure that the rules are being enforced and that you're abiding by them. And so when I see her exercising this audacity, I just, I, it, it's like, haven't you learned anything? Go away, just leave people alone, get a book, get a hobby, just get out my face. Okay, um, I got something for everybody. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Looped in my driveway and I have it on video. I have it on video. I did not. That's a crime, you know. I did not do that. Why would I do that? That house has security cameras on it, and I have it all on video. I have You never... pooped in front of the blue truck. No, I have not. Well, that's not what the camera says. You look just like the person on camera. Can I see this video? It's on a hard drive. I can bring the laptop later. Okay. Well, you can come back. Ma'am. Man, please don't tell me you defecated on this man's property because I wanted to believe you at first. I said, obviously your neighbor is off his rocker here. But um, Madam Karen, can I call you Karen? When he offered to provide the evidence that you did this deed, you simply walked away. David. I mean, I, I almost have so no words. I mean, she could have said it was the dog. She could have said, okay, yeah, I did it. I was having a really bad day. I was really mad at you for the following reasons. Sir, and it's so I don't wrong, give a damn. Come on, it David. It still would have been wrong. David. But at least, you, have you at ever least been she that bad? She could have come clean, <laughs> pardon the pun. Uh, and she could have said, yeah, of course, you know, no, and, and, and just sort of go with it. Yeah, of course I pooped on your yard because, you know, you mad, you made me mad the other day. <laughs> and then they can have an argument about what is appropriate responses to, to being angry. But for her to just sort of walk away, deny it, uh, not accept any sort of responsibility when he's got the evidence, uh, she knows she did it. Um, she's got some serious mental health issues. No, never man. mind 
uh, whatever bell issues that she has um, and no, desire I, to I, mark I her territory. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree, brother. I, I don't think she has any mental health issues. I think she's a nasty individual inside and out if she decided to do this. Uh, and she got caught because she didn't realize her neighbor had a camera. Um, that This is just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, but there are certain things that I would definitely appreciate a little more acknowledgement of, and that is reparations. And fortunately, California State is doing something about that because they've essentially fed into the reparations movement in a watershed moment in a great way. Yesterday, California released an exhaustive report that details its role in perpetuating discrimination against black Americans. This per the AP. The 500 page document lays out the harm suffered by descendants of enslaved people even today. Long after slavery was abolished in the 19th century through discriminatory laws and actions in all facets of life. From housing and education to employment and the legal system. This is a first of its kind report that we need more of because the reality is that black people today suffer as a result of the legacy that has been created and built upon a lack of generational wealth, which is in part why we have so many student loans, access to homes and having opportunities to buy. All of these things, they happen post slavery and we are still suffering as a result of them. So for California to make this report and issue recommendations is huge. And some of those recommendations include prison system reforms. So inmates are not forced to work. And if they must work, that they're paid fair market wages. As we've seen with California having a lot of the wildfires, knowing that these firemen who are inmates are being paid pennies on the day. Like it's it's insane and it's ridiculous, but that's a part of slavery that continues on. Also, you know that this report, they believe that people should be allowed to vote and to serve on juries even if they have served time. And that's an incredibly important thing as well. Reparations come in many forms, not necessarily just monetary. And the creation of a state subsidized mortgage program as well to really guarantee that low rates are available for qualifying applicants, free healthcare, free tuition to California colleges, universities, and four year scholarships. These are also ways in which people can make up for the past, the past that was just yesterday and that still causes us to lose today. And this also per the AP. The report comes at a time when school boards and states across the US are banning books or restricting what can be taught in schools. With parents and lawmakers largely opposed to topics of sexuality, gender, identity, and race. State lawmakers have tried to bar schools from teaching the 1619 Project. That's a New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning report that reframes American history with enslaved people at its heart. Also, Governor Gavin Newsom signed legislation creating a two-year task force in 2020, making California the only state to move ahead with a study plan. Cities and universities have taken up the cause with Chicago suburb of Evanston, Illinois, becoming the first city to make reparations available to black residents last year. We need more of this because we've seen across the board that a lot of communities and groups, racial groups, ethnic groups, religious groups that have been oppressed, that have been marginalized in a way that was orchestrated by the state, by the country, that they've been paid reparations, that the opportunity to be recognized and to try to make them whole has been done across the board, except for when it comes to black Americans. 
And we have to also bear in mind that California, just because it's not in the South, doesn't mean that it's not a home to a number of black people. California happens to be the home to the fifth largest black population. That's after Texas, Florida, Georgia, and New York. And while making up 6% of California's population, Black Californians are overrepresented when it comes to the carceral system, as well as when it comes to um, poverty and the poverty line. And this is something that should be addressed and needs to be addressed. Yasmin. Yeah, it, it's definitely way overdue. And you did mention that this is a very recent history for us, for us as a nation, right? We've been oppressing black people in America since we brought them to this country, since we brought them over to these shores. And even today, there's a lot of debate, especially amongst white people, that there is no systemic racism, that that's not a real thing, that black people have the same opportunities in this country that white people do today. And maybe that's true, there's a lot of debate that it really isn't. But even if they wanted to make that argument, it still isn't a good argument. Because if you go back all these things, like you're you're stifling people's advancement from the very beginning, right? From the point that they were slaves to the moment that they were freed. And even here in Texas, we have Juneteenth is coming up. They didn't even tell them that they were free. So they're still stifling people at every stop. And it's only a matter of time before all that kind of catches up. But this country, we have a history of you know marginalizing all kinds of communities. A lot of people have felt that in one way or another. And what we've done to black people in America is one of the most egregious things that we've ever done. And I mean, as far as karma goes in this country, we have to remedy it or else we as a nation are not going to advance if we're still systemically repressing and suppressing an entire swath of our population. Absolutely, and it's just as far as I'm concerned, it's pathetic. And you know, if so many people here in the United States like to say that it is a land of opportunity, that everyone is equal, then put some actions behind your words because the only the actions I've seen have been ones of oppression. And I don't have time for that game, and I damn sure don't have time to be lied to. Also, the thing that we do see when it comes to this report, again, not everything is about financial compensation. Sometimes it's simply opportunity. That it's not necessarily clear how many individuals in California of the estimated 2.8 million black population here in the state are eligible for direct compensation under this report. Because report didn't go into full financial compensation, it has yet to reach that level. But the AP said this in terms of direct compensation. The report should offer other cities and states and ultimately the federal government a blueprint for seeking reparations, members said. Over the next year, the task force will take on the difficult task of crafting an apology and creating a reparations plan to compensate for and stop the harm. So those are the next steps and that's something that I can definitely get on board with. And people need to educate themselves and inform themselves about what has occurred and what is happening still to black people in this country. Because simply the thought that oh, that was a long time ago, you shouldn't complain anymore. Nah, that was just yesterday and it still happens today. And there have been consequences as a result of that. And it is the reason why so many members of the black community continue to struggle and to suffer. And it needs to be rectified and there needs to be reparations. And so we will definitely have more for you on many conversations involving all sorts of topics that you definitely want to keep an eye on very soon. As Dr. Richie says, stick and stay.
Welcome back to Indisputable, it's Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Richie and we are at that final stretch and I'm excited to see your comments. So let's go ahead and look at that. So as far as the woman, the Karen, excuse me, trying to shut down the music video, Sticks Dragon Sharon says, I know people like this, they need jobs. They definitely need jobs, they need jobs without a doubt. Cognitive dissonance is a hell of a drug, says knitting and crocheting are wonderful hobbies. Someone please tell the Karen that's right. And H76MFY, is there a Karen school? Because these Karens are all reading from the same playbook. Playbook's called entitlement. Yeah, it's something that they educate certain people on very early. As far as the California reparations report, Mickey C, the silver haired dragon says, wow, be prepared for the whining, crying and tantrums of the right wing, who will again proclaim that people of color are being favored over poor downtrodden white people. Yeah, exactly, because too many individuals are out there refusing to acknowledge history as well as how it has impacted the present. And there is something that is not really a present in terms of a gift. It's actually just more just hate on individuals who are different. And that just went down at an elementary school. A five year old special needs student was manhandled while attending class at the Morrow Elementary School in an area called North Lauderdale. Who did this? Well, his teacher assistant. Check out this picture here, this is a young man. Amani Fishley, who is nonverbal autistic, was unable to articulate what happened to him to his parents. But a video sent by an eyewitness captured the abuse, fortunately. And this is in Florida. Amani was yanked around by the pre-kindergarten aide on Tuesday. And the footage shows that the adult grabbed the child and was trying to push him down into a chair. Now the assistant seems to be uninterrupted by other adults in the classroom as in they just let it happen. And as she violently, the assistant there struggles to get the child to comply with her desires. The parents said that they were told almost two weeks after it happened. So no one stopped her, no one intervened. Yet they saw her using unnecessary force to try to get this nonverbal autistic child to comply. Wow, this is pretty pathetic knowing all those adults are in that room would say that they care about children. As far as what we know, we know this, after being alerted, they not only reported the incident along with the video to the school, but made a child abuse complaint to the Broward Sheriff's Office, making law enforcement their first stop before contacting the Morrow Elementary School. The parents are calling for, at the very least, a teaching assistant to be removed from the class, absolutely. The parents place both of their sons who have IEPs stating their different learning abilities in the class, which was said to be designed to be special needs. But they are now concerned that even in the safe space, they should be concerned. The father stated, if you are not there, they are open to abuse because they can't speak for themselves. Absolutely, that is so incredibly true. And so when you have such a vulnerable population and their children on top of it, the parents shouldn't have to be there to ensure that their children are not going to be mistreated or physically abused. But that seems to be what's going on. Now the Florida teachers abusing special needs children, it has occurred before. On September 29, 2021, Amari Clark, that's a former student at the Air Base K through eight center school, told her mother that her teacher impeded her from getting on the school bus by gripping her wrist forcefully, so forcefully that it left marks. And witnesses, including Clark's older brother, saw the teacher pull the little girl down the bus steps and publicly accuse her of stealing a cell phone. This is a problem. How these children are treated is a problem. And especially when foreseeing this occur with black and brown children. 
It's abuse and it is completely and totally unacceptable. Something needs to be done. This Morrill School Elementary, they should be responding here. Yasmin. And these are the same people that they're talking about arming and sending to school to take care of your children. It's so scary. I mean, those are your most precious things in the world is your children. And you send them away and you trust that the school system will at least keep them safe and you can't do that anymore. And I mean, like we can't even talk about the trauma that that inflicts on children too. If you treat a child that way, it stays with them for a long time. And they're so young and they're already trying to find their place in the world. It's just heartbreaking to think that that's something that they have to deal with. And and these are things that if they happen to like me as an adult, I would still have huge problems with. They would still stay with me for a long time. And these poor children are just internalizing all these things that are happening to them. And this child who had autism, he couldn't even communicate what had happened to anyone that he loved, anyone who actually would have looked out for him. And then the school system failed him, unfortunately. Yes, indeed, and I love your observation in terms of wanting to arm these people because you're absolutely right. And as I had noted earlier, we know that black children end up facing a lot more repercussions and disciplinary action in schools and are seen more as an adult in treatment, the adultification of black children. And the thought that you might wanna give teachers who already struggle with you know, maybe regulating their biases toward children, you wanna give them a gun? Like it just seems very counterintuitive and not wise at all. But I definitely hope the Morrow Elementary School does something in terms of this teacher's assistant because they should not be in charge of children. And to this next story where you have an individual who should not be in charge of anyone, including being law enforcement. There is an older sheriff's deputy out in Georgia who is being accused of raping a woman at her home while he was on duty and in uniform. This is a picture here. And it's an older man, 80 year old deputy Jerry Glover. He has since been fired since the allegations drop. And he was also arrested on Tuesday for rape, violation of oath and false imprisonment. Now the Walker County Sheriff Steve Wilson told the news outlet Law and Crime this. Glover knew the woman through his duties as a deputy sheriff. Wilson told Law and Crime in a phone interview. The sheriff confirmed that Glover was allegedly on duty and in uniform when he went to her house. Glover was out for 15, 20 minutes. Nashville Fox affiliate WZTV reported that according to Wilson, Glover allegedly pulled up to the victim's home, went inside, forced her to have sex, and then went back into service. Wilson said the woman made the report to local police the same day. Now Glover was fired on May 27th and the Walker County Sheriff's Office arrested him four days later. The accused deputy was denied bond during a court appearance early Wednesday and is set to return on June 9th for a bond hearing. Foremost, this person is quite elderly, 80 years old. And they've been in law enforcement, arguably probably for some time. That probably tells me this isn't the first time something like this has happened. It's probably just the first time it was reported and somebody did something about it. And I also say that in part because of how swiftly the law enforcement authorities acted there in terms of firing him. That kind of signals to me at least that they kind of know something's up. Because otherwise that thin blue line gets really strong and protective around their fellow officers. So the fact that they dropped this man super quick, hot, fired him and then arrested him tells you that they know something's up. This guy 
probably has a behavior of this. And as someone who has studied sexual violence, sexual harassment, assault, I can tell you it ain't never a one off. He did not hit that octogenarian territory and decide I'm gonna go out here and commit sexual assault. Nah, I don't think this is new. And I know he is definitely still facing those charges. And so there's an opportunity for him to answer in court. But I can say from looking at the situation, the allegations and the response from law enforcement that this is probably not the first time. Jasmine? Yeah, exactly what you just said. I think whenever we hear stories like this, the first thing that I think of is how many times is this actually happening? That the stories that we don't hear. And even if you look at the issues of mass shootings in this country, there have been however many more more shootings than per day at this point in the year already. But how many of those have we heard about, right? How many of those were actually like headline stories? And same thing goes with cases like this. How many times has this happened that we have not heard about, that we didn't know to make a big deal about? And on top of that, if these things are happening and they're not getting the publicity that stories like this one are getting, there's no incentive or little to no incentive for these police departments to actually respond to it and do something about it. In this case, they probably had little to lose. The guy was 80 working as a deputy still, which seems which is interesting. That's a whole other issue I would I would think. But I mean, getting rid of him for them wouldn't have been a big deal. But if it was another cop, if it was a different guy, if it was a less high profile story, would they have done anything? What would be the incentive for them to do it? And we've seen so many times when they didn't do anything or they did the bare minimum or they would fire them, but still pay them or you know give them a job at the next district over. So yeah. you keep hearing about these stories. It's good to stay aware of these things that are happening, but also, you know, like they're still happening. You know, just because it's not in the news cycle doesn't mean that these things go away. No, and I actually think that this, which isn't getting a lot of attention at all, just the local news outlet is where we were able to find this out. But I think the reason that this story got any attention is because he actually got fired and there are actual charges. Whereas oftentimes it's just the complaint there and nobody does anything about anything. And that's something that unfortunately our system has to reconcile because we definitely need change. And to our last story, let's go ahead and ask ourselves, what in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math, somebody say amen. I wanted y'all to know that I do not concede, I do not. And if the people who did this and cheated are watching, I do not concede. And the people of Georgia will not allow me to. I want you to feel inside of your gut a righteous anger for justice. I want you to pray specifically, specifically, I want you to pray for dark to be brought to light, for justice for the state of Georgia. And anyone who has helped contribute to this crime, to this travesty, anyone who's contributed to this, I want you to pray that they feel so guilty they come forward. God can do anything He wants to. So we pray for guilt. 
What Candace Taylor doesn't realize is that God did not want her in a position of authority as a lawmaker. She lost the election and she lost hard. Her opponent was incumbent Governor Brian Kemp. He won 73.7% of the vote. Taylor, she got 3.4% of the vote. She didn't even show up. I'm sure she's the only one, her and her family voted for her, her and her mama. Nobody else in Georgia. That's the woman who ran on this campaign slogan of Jesus, guns, and babies. Well, baby, uh, baby Jesus did not want you in a position of power. You will not be governor. No. So just let it go. Yasmin. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, she doesn't need to concede the race to lose the race, right? 3.4% is a laughable showing in a governor race, especially then to come out with no evidence and then just assume that people will just believe you and say, "Oh, this thing was rigged even though you didn't have a platform to begin with, you didn't have a popular showing at the race, like nothing." And it is a little it gives a little bit of hope, I will say, that the platform that she did run on, the Jesus guns and babies that that did not work for her. So, I don't know if that's Indicative of a bigger pattern, maybe people are finally getting away from, I don't know, maybe I'm just being overly optimistic, but I'm glad that it didn't work out for her. I'm glad too, because there yeah. have been enough people with Taylor in their name down in Georgia who are problematic because they are running on all sorts of little campaigns that are based on Jesus, babies, and guns. And so I'm really glad that the people in the state there did not uplift this one, which would be great. And also, if they could not uplift the other one, the little blonde thing, that'd be fine. Some people call her Marjorie Taylor Green. I just call her nuisance. But that's okay. Anyway, Yasmin, we've come close to the end of our show today. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. And also, I know you are changing the game out there on Rebel HQ. But is there any other place that the viewers can find you? Yeah, if you follow me on Instagram and TikTok, that's the best way to keep up with what I'm working on. That's Yaz K with five Z's, Y-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-K. It's a terrible handle, but it's the one I've got, so. Yeah, girl, that's a really bad handle, but <laughs> hey, I'll let you handle your business. And I will handle mine on Rebel HQ. I know I've been away for a bit, but I will be back hopefully later today because I do have some legal things I wanna share with you all. And I wanna thank you so much for sticking with us today. And also this week, as far as I'm concerned, because the news has been heavy. So thank you all so much for watching. I hope you have learned. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. And what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.